Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we interview inspiring people from around the globe who are uplifting their community by finding solutions to our world's problems. My name is M. Barrett, and I am your host. And I hope that you'll get as inspired as I am by meeting these everyday people doing extraordinary things. Empathy Lab is a nonprofit with a mission to raise an empathy-educated generation. It was founded in 2015 and it's based in the UK. The organization has been focusing primarily on supporting those living and working with children to harness the power of stories to develop empathy. From the very beginning, their strategy is to build on two key areas of scientific research. The first one is that empathy is learnable. And the second one is that reading is a powerful empathy building tool. Empathy Lab works through three key programs. The first one is an annual Read for Empathy book collection composed of 60 books for three to 16 year olds chosen by experts. And I personally really recommend checking these collections out. They are on their website and they have really good suggestions for books. Their second program is their Empathy Day that happens every June. And the third one is that they run in-depth schools programs. To learn more about Empathy Lab and the importance of teaching empathy to children, I spoke to Miranda McCurney, who is one of the founders of the organization. Miranda is a social justice entrepreneur who has spent 35 years turning kitchen table ideas into nationwide campaigns. Speaking with Miranda inspired me so much. She has a vision where empathy becomes a primary skill that is taught at school, and the work that she and her team takes on is changing the culture in which kids in the UK are growing up in. So here is my interview with Miranda McKerney. All right, well, let's get into it. The very first question I wanted to ask you was just uh, simply how you're doing today. Yeah, I'm really, really busy because tomorrow we launch the family pack for Empathy Days. So we're busy getting that ready. And um, how did Empathy Lab get started? I know that you're one of the founders but I just wanted to know what was the story behind it. Yeah, so go back to 2014, and I thought I was retiring from the charity that I previously founded called The Reading Agency, and um, I was going to just not work so hard and go trekking, but I was really interested by the building body of really fascinating scientific research showing that reading is empathy building. And I wondered, along with some of my fellow founders, whether society and the education system was making enough of that link, because back then everybody was worrying about the effect of social media on you know, the, the world that young people were growing up in. Now there's a whole load more worries, but we were thinking, if you could build empathy, skills and understanding off the back of books which are ubiquitous in the education system, in society, in libraries, that would be an extraordinary thing to be able to do. So we held a big thinking at Royal Festival Hall and brought together all sorts of people from different disciplines from the worlds of child development and psychology and neuroscience with the world that I'm most familiar with, which, which is the book world and all the authors and the charities and all of that, and asked whether people 
felt enough, there was enough understanding of that research and its social implications. And basically, in a nutshell, they all said, no, go away and do things. So we've been experimenting since then and, and very much consolidating our program. Wow, that's so interesting and that's so great. And how does it actually work? Like, can you get a little bit into how you organize and who's involved in making Empathy Lab move forward? Yeah, so we're still tiny. We're still, um, we feel like sort of scruffy startups still. We have the directors and founders or five of us are still working pro bono. We have a lot of really expert advisors and volunteers so we work closely with three academics at Sussex and Cambridge and the Open University and then we have a range of other expert advisors and volunteers and our program has settled into four key areas so we every January we launch a book collection um, of empathy rich books for four to 16 year olds and then we have a schools programme, an in-depth schools programme, where we're working largely in Wales because empathy appears in the new Welsh curriculum 35 times. Um, I could say more about the schools programme if later if that's useful. And then Empathy Day every June, and then a kind of innovation programme with authors and publishers because they're the people who are creating the books that are empathy building. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I mean, I think that's so, so incredible. And I know that you said about Wales having empathy really in anchored in its curriculum. And I think that's just so great. And I mean, it's really important to rethink education. And I think that's definitely something that you're showing and that you're doing. And so can you talk to me a little bit more about that program and how you want to infuse empathy in educational programs? Yeah, so we tend to work in clusters of schools with the secondary and its feeder primaries. And we work with them over 18 months and often they become alumni. So actually we hope forever really. But we start with empathy audits, working with the senior leadership teams on what's an empathetic school look like? How far do they feel they are an empathetic school? What's their opinion about the listening skills of the staff? Because listening is such a key part of empathy. And then we do masses of ongoing training, both in the kind of psychology of empathy and research into how reading builds empathy. And then lots of very, very practical work about how do you choose the book that would be especially good for empathy work? What kind of practices would you put in place in the classroom to make the most of the kind of reading and discussion and exercises around the books? So there's a whole very, very in-depth program which takes a school and its cluster ideally right through the whole process of thinking about how to build a more empathetic school culture and an empathy pedagogy. That's so great and 
I'm really curious about the impact. I reckon that you probably have a bit of knowledge around the impact of the work that you do. I just wanted to know how do you measure it and what exactly is it? Do you look at it with children? Do you look at it with the whole schools, with um, the people who work at the schools? Yeah, I would love to know a little bit more about that too. Yeah, so there's a whole um, huge area of work around how you would evaluate this. And we're, there are sort of three key areas of impact that we're after. So one is obviously on improving empathy, understanding and skills and the confidence of teachers to teach it. Then there's the whole area of literacy and reading for pleasure and then social activism. So we have a whole range of evaluation tools and we're experimenting all the time on how we do that. So there's a large element of teacher self-report. So we ask them to report back across a range of dimensions and some very specific empathy skills and areas of reading for pleasure that we ask them to evaluate how they've done before and after. And then we've been experimenting with a tool called MQ. It was a tool developed by the University of Leiden, which is a, a self-evaluation questionnaire that children fill in. And we've been able to show sort of measurable increases in empathy skills even during lockdown because we, we keep getting interrupted by lockdowns and, and COVID problems. So we've actually never been able to do the full program in person without being interrupted in some way or other. But nevertheless, we're seeing really, really positive impacts. And then we do interviews. The teachers have empathy conversations with children where they ask children their views on what they've been doing and what difference it's made. And there are a couple of reports on our website where you know, we've reported back on all that evaluation if people are interested in more detail on that. Yeah, that's so great. And that's so interesting because I was at your webinar a couple of weeks ago and I remember a couple of things that was said. And one of the things was about how the world is going, walking in a way where a lot of jobs are being taken by machines because a lot of machines can do the jobs that a human can do and can do it better. So we really have to develop this human characteristics that we have, such as empathy, which is impossible to replicate by a machine as we know of yet, <laughs> but I think it's probably not possible. And yeah, it's just such a, such a great way of investing in education and hopefully also a better world because empathy creates peace. So it's, it's just such an interesting way of advancing in education. And I'm sure there was a lot of challenges, like you were talking about COVID, for example, in uh, running Empathy Lab and developing what you're working on. Can you talk to me a little bit about these challenges and how you, you dealt with them? Yes, they, they come in, they've come in different ways. I mean, there's, to begin with, there was been big intellectual challenge to get our heads around the science of empathy, which is, you know, the, our understanding of how empathy actually works in humans is changing all the time anyway. And the research going on around it is so fast moving and complex. So we took a lot of time to understand 
how you would define empathy, what are the sort of elements that make it up, because it's very, it's, it's quite technical, it's quite complex how empathy works in humans. And then, you know, talking with a lot of experts about what were the best possible kind of interventions that would make the use, the best use of books and authors and illustrators. So there was a kind of intellectual challenge. There's constantly a sort of startup challenge around the funding. How do you get the funding to move forward and have a, a paid establishment? And then COVID has been just huge in terms of developing our schools work in particular. And at the moment, it's just really hard because even though schools are back, they never shut, of course, but that, you know, children are back fully in school, but massive staff shortages and problems with cover so even if schools really want to be doing the program and they massively see the need for it you know they often just can't get cover for the staff to come on the training so it's really basic stuff mm. yeah that sounds really tough to get your message out there if all these things are getting in the way but it seems like you are reaching out to a lot of people and I was looking at um the books that were uh, chosen for Empathy Day this year and last year as well, and so many great books on there. I'm making a little reading list for myself, actually. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to ask you, this is probably a really tricky question, but I thought of it just before we, we had our call, was uh, if, there, if you had to choose one book to recommend right now, which one would it be? <laughs> Whoa, um, so one of my, I mean, it is impossible because there there are so many amazing ones in in different ways but one that's really stayed with me is a graphic novel called when stars are scattered by victoria jameson and omar mohammed and it's sort of co-authored and omar was a ref it, it's about two brothers in a kenyan refugee camp and they're really stuck and um one is learning disabled and the, the older brother is looking after him and it's just beautifully done. And then the end pages have the real Omar, who's now in America, thriving, a graduate, absolutely wonderful. So I think in terms of a very accessible way of understanding refugee experience, which of course feels hugely topical right now, that's really great empathy text. Mm. Wow, that's so great. I will definitely look it up myself. Sounds like a really, really great book and definitely topical at the moment. So super important. And another little bit of a tricky question I wanted to ask, and I always find it really hard to ask sometimes this question because it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but um, if there was one thing that you would say is the most important thing to know about Empathy Lab, what would it be? Probably that empathy is learnable which I think a lot of people don't realize. I think a lot of people think you're sort of born empathetic or you're not, but actually only 10% of our empathic ability is genetic. So, and we can develop our ability to be empathic at any point in our lives. A bit like when you're learning to drive a car, you're kind of driving new neural pathways through your brain. Well, you can, the more you practice, 
the various elements of empathy, the more you can develop it. Um, and so our, our Empathy Day programme this year is very much about very practical, very creative, really fun ways of developing our empathy. And the theme um, for the day is Empathy, Our Human Superpower. It is our human superpower. And I really, I didn't know that only 10% of empathy was genetic. I didn't know that number. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, how we, we grow up in the world and how we relate to others. That is a faculty that we can develop. And even it's, and I don't think it's ever too late as well, because I think that's also sometimes an argument that people may have. That it's like, oh, you know, it's too late for me now. I'm, this is the way I am, but it's, it's really not. And, and that's so, so great that you're doing uh, what you're doing. And so then I guess I'll move to my favorite question, which is that here at the Inspire, we have this tagline, which is inspiring people, inspiring people, because we really believe that each interview that we have is with someone who's inspiring and when we get to hear other inspiring stories it's a little bit like you were saying it creates empathy you know and and it, it can create it can drive action it can drive inspiration and also ideas to create other solutions in other places so I always like to turn the question over also to our guests and ask them who inspires you so I actually have two answers to that. So the first would probably be a writer, a sociologist called Roman Kaznarich, whose book um, was a really important book for us when we were thinking about Empathy Labs called something like The Empathy Revolution. And he, he just writes so interestingly about it and it really sparked our thinking in a really kind of inspiring way. And then the second part of my answer would be the teachers that we work with, who I, I just think are quite remarkable and so creative and so tough and have done such an extraordinary job, often very unsung during the pandemic. So really hats off to them. That's so true. And it's, it's so interesting when I ask this question, a lot of people do give uh, people who are maybe famous or have quite a big audience. But I also think sometimes it's such a personal answer that it's we all can have the power to be inspiring in our own ways, you know, and I think it's really important to shine that light on on everyone that inspires us because it can be anything that really gets us to get up in the morning and drive action to do something that hopefully can change a little something for someone else or maybe sometimes in a bigger way as well yeah 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 well then I also I'd like to ask you if you'd like to share some information about empathy lab maybe about empathy day where can people find you on the internet or not on the internet or maybe even how they can support the work that you do because it's super important great so empathy lab is at www empathylab.uk and we're probably most active on Twitter in terms of social media and that's at empathylab.uk and what's coming up is the most extraordinary range of activities and resources for Empathy Day so the call to action is to get involved and develop your empathy superpower so there's a 
a challenge with nine activities and for the professionals and parents who work and live with children there's a range of really amazing free resources to help them do those challenges so there's lovely small and big things from going on an empathy walk to making an empathy resolution to share reading and sharing an empathy boosting book with your power pose so all of that information is on the website and there's lots happening in the run-up to empathy day as well as kind of expert thought leadership debates as well which anybody who's interested in this topic might find really interesting so basically hop on our platforms and see what's happening and get involved and join the empathy movement yes that's so great i am 100 percent in the empathy movement <laughs> with you as well well thank you so much for accepting this interview and talk to me today because yeah, it means a lot. It means a lot to share this information with our audience as well. I think it's so important what you do. I'm a big, big fan of Brene Brown as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> so empathy and vulnerability and all of those topics are things that are really close to my heart. And when I found that work that you do, I just found it so amazing and fascinating. And so, yeah, I feel very touched that we got to speak today. Oh, well, we did it in the end. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah. I hope you have a great, great day. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, thanks a lot. Bye for now. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Inspirer podcast. If you like this episode, please subscribe and review our show. It helps us grow our audience. And if you want to know more, check out the article on our website, theinspired.news. And let's stay in touch. Follow us on social media using the handle The Inspirer News. This podcast is hosted and produced by The Inspirer and the music was produced by Robin Nicoli. See you next week.